Good morning and welcome to worship. My name is Andy Nelms and I have the privilege of being the associate pastor here at Lover's Lane and, and the pastor of Thrive. And I want to welcome you to worship this morning, especially if it's your first time, whether you're online with us. I want to welcome those who are online. Welcome to the, uh, the Bairds, Chelsea and Cassidy, baby Carlisle. I want to welcome Mary and Joseph and um, and Jan, all of you who are Ashley, welcome all those of you worshiping online. And, and again, those of you who are in person, we are so blessed that we get to worship with you this morning. We are uh, currently in a series uh, called The Ties That Bind. And, um, and, and, and it's all about um, making connection, creating connection, especially um, in the midst of a global pandemic that that's, is seemingly never end, especially um, in a time where our political system seems to be more divided now than ever, especially um, when uh, depression and, um, and mental illness seems to be at an all-time high, especially now, it, it is, seems to be more important than ever to create connections. And so we're learning about the importance uh, throughout the next several weeks about um, the importance of creating those connections and especially how to create those connections. Um, I, I don't know about you, but I've discovered this in my own life is that, you know, it feels good to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. It, it just feels good to be a part of something bigger than yourselves. I, I want you to just, just think, um, what was the, the best team or, or the best group that you've ever been a part of? Right? Just think, maybe it was a work um, organization, maybe, maybe it was a, an entire company, or maybe like a smaller set of that company. Uh, maybe, you know, you, you have to like think further back, you know, maybe it was like when you were in college, maybe you were part of a fraternity or a sorority, maybe even further back, maybe um, when you were in high school, whether it was sports or band or whatever it was, you know, what was that time, what was that group, that, that kind of best group or team that you've ever been a part of? And then think, you know, what was, what made it so great? Um, you know, as I think back about those, those teams and those groups that I was a part of, um, you know, one thing that definitely comes to mind is when I was in high school, I, I was, um, I was in band and, um, and, and I like to call it, you know, the band, right? I, I was in, I was in marching band and, and uh, I was on the drum line, which is basically means the only reason that I joined band was so that I could be, uh, in marching band, concert band, I didn't really care much for, but, um, it, it was, it was fun. I, I loved it. And, the thing that I loved so much about it is that everybody kind of like participated together, right? You know, we had these practices that, you know, started towards the end of summer, right? So like as soon as like the 4th of July hit, like the next week, you know, we would be doing um, all sorts of kind of practices and preparation for the fall for marching competitions. You know, we'd be out there in the heat, sweating all together. And, um, and we'd be getting there early in the morning before school, you know? So you get like, you get to school, you get out and onto the field, you know, as like there was like fog out in the field and it was, it was really cool. Because, you know, like everybody was doing this together. You know, like, like all of us were doing this together. We were, we were all participating in this thing. We were all sacrificing together. And that's what I've kind of learned about being a part of a team, being a part of a group, being a part of something bigger than ourselves is that we can't be a part of something without giving up something else. Right? We can't be a part of something without giving up something else. Else. When I was a part of this band in, in high school, you know, we were all giving up something. You know, we were giving up, you know, like that, that extra hour of sleep in the morning. We were giving up those Saturdays when we go to competitions. We were giving up the time that it took to, to practice and prepare and do all these things. You know, to be a part of something, it, it, it takes us giving up something. And, 
And that's where so many times, especially, um, we as, you know, people have experienced privilege in our life, you know. Um, we have experienced affluence, we've experienced wealth, we've experienced so many things in this world, and those are great blessings. But what those do to us so many times is that it keeps us from giving up something. Right? It keeps us from giving up something that we, we don't have to sacrifice many times in our life. And so when it comes to our own faith life, we want to make it about something that benefits us, and that's not what it was made for. That in order to participate in something, in order to be a part of something, we have to give up something else. And that's, in fact, that giving up something is what makes the team, what makes the group so much better. And that's what I want to talk about a little bit today, because I believe that's, that's true also for the church. It's not only true for your work group, it's not only true for, your, for the social club that you're a part of, it was not only true for your fraternity or sorority, it's also true for the church, and especially true for the church. You know, this morning we're going to read out of, um, you heard Pastor Kay talk with our kids, we're going to read out of the book of 1 Corinthians, and just a little bit of a setup for 1 Corinthians. Um, Paul uh, actually started uh, the church in Corinth. As people who live in Corinth are called Corinthians, right? So um, Paul started the church in Corinth. He started it around 50 AD, and uh, Paul is, is an avid church planter, and what he does is he would either start churches or, or strengthen churches, and then he would move on. You know, he would establish people to help do those things and um, to help kind of carry on the church work. And as soon as he found somebody that could do that work, he would move on and go to the next thing and start another church or, or build up another church. And, and this is true for Corinth as well. He, he started the church in Corinth, and, and Corinth was an interesting place. Um, as I was doing some research um, this week, I found this out, that the city of Corinth developed a reputation for possessing wealth without culture and for abusing its poor. They, they had amassed wealth without culture and they abused their poor. There, there was no middle class in Corinth. Um, it was a few very wealthy aristocrats and then everybody else was impoverished. And, and, and it was very typical for those wealthier class to abuse the poor. And, and what Paul turns around and writes about to Corinth is to address two things. Paul writes to Corinth to address two main issues. The, the first is that Paul has written to address the fact that many in Corinth have created this solely private faith without anything public about it, right? That, that many people in Corinth believed that, that in order to have faith, in order to believe in Jesus Christ, all that meant was that they had a very private relationship with Jesus, and that didn't affect the, their public life at all. In other words, many in Corinth believed that there was very little sacrifice required in order to be a follower of Jesus, Right? They could change a few personal private habits and then everything else they could go about living just as they had before they believed in Jesus. They had developed this private life without any kind of public witness. And the second thing Paul turns to write about in the, in the book of 1 Corinthians, the second thing Paul addressed was the fact that there was division within the early church. In fact, many times when we read Paul's letters, Every one of Paul's letters that he writes to the church, every one of Paul's letters that he writes to the church, one of the issues he addresses is division within the church. I don't know about you, but that's, that's strangely comforting in a way, right? That, that, that even the early church, the, the, these churches that had, some of whom have been founded by, by like the apostles, by the people who saw Jesus, who were with Jesus, these churches even experienced division within themselves. And so if we ever experience that within the church, at least we're in good company, right? But, but, but Paul writes, and, and, and writes extensively about these divisions within the church. 
And one of the ways he uses to address this division within the church is by comparing the church to a body. Right? Maybe if you've grown up in church, you, you've heard this passage before, or you've, you've uh, maybe read this in the past. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you have your Bible with you, I encourage you to use it, and um, even if it's on your phone or, or whatever the case, in some way, I hope you engage the Bible throughout the week. I, um, we, we find in, in, in uh, 2 Timothy that all Scripture is God-breathed, and, and I believe that, that it can actually improve our life if we engage with Scripture each day, not just on, on Sunday. So in some way, I hope you will engage with the Scripture, whether on your phone, um, if you're at home, you have a Bible with you, I encourage you to use it. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Um, we're going to start in verse 12 through 13. Paul writes this, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all members of the body, though many, are one, so it is with Christ. For in the one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of the one spirit. Paul says, listen, all of us from all these different backgrounds were baptized into the, to the one body, the, the body of the church, right? The church is the body of Christ. Paul says, listen, all of these people from all these different backgrounds and all these different places, Jews and Greeks, slaves or free, all these people are coming together and are participating in the one body. How is that possible? The only way that is possible for all these different people to participate in the one body from these different backgrounds and these different places, the only way it is possible is through sacrifice. Being a part of the body takes sacrifice. It takes sacrifice. It takes something of us to participate. You know, so many times we get this in our head that the, the church is here to, to benefit us. You know, it's here to give me something. And, and what's true is we ought to be built up in some way, equipped in some way. You ought to experience a better life for participating in the church than if you never had it. But what the church also ought to do is take something from us. The way we talk about it um, here at this church is, is, is about a family. Right? If you're a member of the family, you sacrifice to participate in that family. Right? That if you're, if you're going to welcome a guest, you know, if you're having guests for dinner that night, those members of the family are going to sacrifice something. Right? They're going to give up time to clean the house. You know, that, that, that hour or maybe, you know, four hours it takes to clean the house before the guests come over and, and to sweep and mop and do the dishes and, you know, the things that like have been around that we haven't gotten to, now we've got to get to because these guests are coming over. And we've got to prepare the food. We've got to do all these things. It takes sacrifice to be a part of the family, to be the member. And the guest comes and experiences that. The guest comes and experiences it and, and participates in it. And then they go home. And the members clean. And they do the dishes. But the members also of the body, the members of the family, also get to make the fun decisions. Right? Where do we go on vacation? How do we spend our money? What kind of house are we going to live in? This is what it is to be a member of the body, to be a member of the family of Christ, to be a member of the church is what it means, but it takes sacrifice. It takes sacrifice. Paul goes on in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and says, Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot would say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. 
The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. I think this is really, really important for us to know and what it means to be a part of the church, to to be a part of the the body of Christ. And and if you're watching this morning or if you're here this morning and and you're not sure what you believe about Jesus, I want to say you are welcome here. I am so glad that you are participating. But, and, and, and so just kind of, you know, understand this is an expectation of people who say they are followers of Jesus. That if you say you are a member of the church, if we say that we are, we are followers of Jesus, this is for us. This is instruction for us of what it means to be a member of the body of Christ. The first thing is that it takes, being a part of the body takes unity and diversity. Right? Those, those, those are not mutually exclusive ideas, unity and diversity. It takes both of them. Unity and diversity. Unity is simply an organism with a singular goal, right? That's what unity is. Unity is an organism with a singular goal. We say here at this church that that our goal is loving all people in relationship with Jesus Christ. That is what we do here. We love all people, emphasis on all people, whether you're Republican or Democrat, no matter where you come from, we love all people into relationship with Jesus Christ. That is the thing that we do here. That is our singular goal. That is our singular mission. And that's what it means to to be a part of this church, is to have that singular goal in mind. You know, sometimes we, like, as a part of the church, we want to have like our own goals. You know, we want to have like our own thing. We want to have like our, 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 you know, like I know this organization does this, but I want to be a part of the organization to do something else. And and what Paul says is that doesn't work. It it, it doesn't doesn't happen like that. When I think about that, um, I think back to the Adams Family. Did anybody like the, when I was a kid growing up, I watched the Adams Family movie a lot. You know, the one where um, Christopher Lloyd was, uh, was some, anyways, um, the Adams Family, right? And, And in the Adams Family, there was a character called Thing, right? And Thing was this hand. You guys are looking at me like I'm crazy. You've seen this movie, right? Okay, thank you. Yes, yes. Um, online comment if you've seen it before. There was a hand that just ran around the house. You know, it was like a haunted house and all this stuff. And there was a hand that just moved around, you know, and it just like did stuff and it flopped out on things and it did things. It was just a hand that like ran around. And it was weird, right? Because a hand isn't supposed to have like its own goal in mind, Right? Like, like the hand, like if our hand started doing other things that we didn't want the hand to do, like that would be strange. But so many times as a part of the church, you know, we, we get a part of the church, and we're like, you know what, I've got this goal in mind, I'm going to go and do this thing, and then that's a fine goal, and that's good, but if it doesn't match up with loving all people in the relationship with Jesus Christ, then what are we doing? To be a part of the body takes, it takes a singular goal. It takes unity around that goal. Everybody comes together and we say, yes, this is what we do. So we come together and we feed hungry people. We've gathered together and we've sent out more than hundreds of thousands of fresh pro- pounds of fresh produce to people who are in need because we believe in loving all people in relationship with Jesus Christ. We've created multiple small groups and learning opportunities that are welcome and open to all people. Why? Because we believe in loving all people in relationship with Jesus Christ. We've continued to worship both online and in person and in safe ways. Why? Because we believe in loving all people in relationship with Jesus Christ. We are united about that goal. And we are sold out for it. 
So being a part of the body takes unity, but it also takes diversity. That's what Paul talks about, right? Paul talks about like, you know, if the hand said to the foot, I'm not a foot, I'm no good, that wouldn't make any sense. Why? Because diversity is important. If our body was one piece, was, was all eyes, was something, it wouldn't make any sense. Being a part of the body takes unity, but it also takes diversity. Diversity is an organism's value on different perspectives, right? Whenever somebody becomes a part of the church, we don't ask them to change all their mindset or to change their political beliefs or to change, you know, all these things. We want them to bring those different perspectives here. As long as we are united or on the singular goal, we are welcoming and we are encouraging different perspectives. When I, when I uh, first joined here and came on staff um, more than a year ago now, I um, was going around and meeting different people and, and, um, and was meeting people from inside and outside of the church and doing these different things. And there was somebody who was, who was outside of the church. Um, but they were, I was meeting them, I was kind of talking to them about the different kind of worship they've experienced and, and these different kind of things. And, and, and this person asked me, I said, you know, what are you going to do to reach these people? They didn't say these people, they had a very specific demographic in mind. They said, what are you going to do to reach these people? And, and, um, and to be honest, it was a demographic that I didn't really have any affinity with. I, I, I didn't match the, the age group, I didn't match their situation in life, I didn't really match many things with them. And, and so my response, I think, was a little shocking to this person, but my response was, uh, well, well, to be honest, what I'm going to do is I'm going to come alongside you and empower you to help reach those people because you have a way to reach those people that I don't have. You're in that age bracket. You're in that situation in life. You are, are in the stage of the people that we are trying to reach, and so I want to come alongside you and empower you and equip you to help reach those people. Friends, I, I will work tirelessly for this church. I, I will do everything in my ability to help reach new people, to worship God, to love all people in relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to do that thing. But, but I want you to know that you do not have one paid minister of this church. That every one of us is a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Every single one of us from our diverse backgrounds, from everywhere that we've experienced life, from all the different work groups that we are part of, from the, from, from the socioeconomic groups that we are part of, from the racial groups that we're a part of, all of these things we have the ability to use to reach different people. That, that if somebody were to say, I want to be a part of the church, we say, okay, great, you got to believe like this and act like this and walk like this and, and look like this and dress like this. If we made everybody be a part of that, then we wouldn't be diverse and we wouldn't be united. We would simply be uniform. We would be just one big hand. We would be one big eye. It would look strange. What we are empowered to do is, is to be a diverse body that is united around a singular goal. And not just because we think it's a good idea, but because Christ empowered us to do that thing. And so here's what I want to encourage you to do just this week, and, and I, I want to encourage you, uh, if you don't have prayer as a regular part of your practice, um, just like a regular time of day or, or, or even you know, different times of the day, but just each day I hope that you find time to pray. Prayer is, is really not only a time to like list out our laundry list of God, but also listen for God to speak into our life. And what I found is if you, if you practice it regularly enough, if you, if you wait in silence enough, you will start to discern the voice of God. And so here's what I hope 
hope that you will do each day this week that you will pray and pray this prayer, where am I being invited to serve the body this week? Where am I being invited to serve the body this week? Uh, today, as you've heard, Mackenzie say, is a really special day in the life of the church. We have a, a ministry fair that is going on right now down the hall if you're here in person. And, and we have like 40 some odd ministries that are represented that, that are a part of this church. And I hope that you'll just take time after worship to go down there and just, just walk around and, 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 and say that prayer. Where am I being invited to serve the body this week? And, and see where you might be invited to, to participate in the ministry of loving all people into relationship with Jesus Christ. And to say, am I being invited to serve here, to do this? to participate in that, to, to, to join a small group, to, to be a part of Scouts, to, to do something where we are actually actively loving people. Where am I being invited to serve the body this week? That you would pray that prayer. And the second thing I hope that would happen is that you would do it. That you would actually engage in it, that you would actually follow up on it. One of the writers in the New Testament um, is, is James, and, and James is attributed to have been the brother of Jesus, uh, um, uh, probably a, a younger brother, and, and um, it's really kind of crazy to think about, like, what would it be like to be the brother of Jesus? You know, like, if you've, you know, been like a younger child that, like, always lived in the shadow of your older brother, like, just imagine your older brother, like, you know, saving the sins of humanity, you know, like, like that would have been, like, a rough job, but, 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 but James is, is attributed to have been the brother of Jesus, and, and, and James James was actually like one of the one of the apostles, like one of the doers, right? He was he was writing the letters, he was doing the things, he was engaged in ministry, he was starting churches, he was doing these things. And, and so you gotta think that if that if like anybody can attest to the power of Jesus, it was James, right? Because he was there, he saw all this happen. And 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 one of the things that James does is he writes letters to the churches, and we have one of them in which James writes these letters to these churches, and, and what does he find? But he finds this division in these churches, the same way that Paul did, right? He found that people were warring against each other. They were divided. And so he writes to the churches to encourage them to stay united while also remaining diverse. It's one of the reasons that James writes his letter um, called James. The other reason that James wrote is for the same thing that Paul found in Corinth is that he had found a group of people who were living this private faith life but had no public witness. He found these people, he, he saw these Christians, these followers of Jesus who were, who, who were staying at home and, and they were, you know, in their, in, in their closets, in their homes, and they would say a private prayer and then it would have little to no effect on their outside life. And so when James writes to these Christians who are experiencing division within the church, who are experiencing this private faith without any public witness, when James writes to them, he tells them, to be doers of the word. Be doers of the word and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. I pray that those words would haunt us. 
that it would be something that nags us in the back of our mind when we wake up in the morning that we would hear James, that when we go to bed at night, we would hear James, when we are out at the grocery store, when we are, when we are driving through and see somebody on the side of the road that is clearly in need of help, but we don't know how to engage, when we are, are talking to our friends who are going through a crisis, when we are having conflict within our own family, when we are going through our life, when we are in, in our church that is experiencing whatever it's experiencing, when we are in a global pandemic, that when we are in our life, that we would hear James in the back of our head saying, be doers. Be doers of the word and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. That's what I pray with everything that I am, that we as people of Lover's Lane, that those who say they participate and thrive, that, that we would be people who are doers and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. Let us pray. God, I pray for your Holy Spirit. God, that your spirit would come into this place, that you would sweep through, that you would do something new in our lives and in our hearts this morning. God, there are many things that would seek to distract us from the one thing. There are many things that would, that would occupy our mind that would keep the main thing from being the main thing. God, we pray that, that with everything that we are, that we would love all people. God, that, that everything we do would be loving all people into relationship with you. That, that, that every activity we engage in, that every conversation we have, that, that, that every group we join, every, everything that we do would be loving all people into relationship with Jesus Christ. God, we pray that it would happen. And we pray that it would only happen, not because we are so good, not because we're more talented or, or smarter than anybody else, but because your grace is good. Because your love is so compelling. And God, I, I pray that you would stir in our hearts this morning. God, that you would meddle in our lives. people who call themselves thrive would be doers and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. We pray all of this in the name of the one who created us by the power of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus Christ who came and taught us even how to pray by saying our Father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.